With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, 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 and welcome back. This is Talk the Plank on the Fan First Sports Network. My name is Nathan Hirsch, and today I'm joined by a new co-host, new guest, whatever you want to call him. He is, you might know him from Steelers Talk on Behind the Steel Curtain. Talk some Steelers there, but we have him talking Pirates today. It's Shannon White. Shannon, how's it going? Well, it's going great, Nathan. It's great to be here. Uh, I've, been, I've been excited about uh, talking some Pirates with you for the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I've, man, they got to get a win in here somewhere before I, I make my uh, inaugural appearance. I'm like, yeah. this has been ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yesterday they did get their second win in 13 games, so the offense has been really ice-cold freezing. But before we get into these current Pirates, I just kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself and have the listeners kind of get a background of, you know, your love for the Pirates. How long have you been a fan? Um, just anything. Anything. How, how long have you loved baseball? Anything. Yeah, baseball was always my first love. Uh, football came on, uh, you know, in the, just a little bit after, but I always loved baseball and I learned that from my grandpa and, and, and that side of the family, my mom's side of the family. And, uh, growing up, I was a huge Reggie Jackson fan. So I'm dating myself, you know, in the eighties, uh, and then late seventies. And I loved Reggie and I always liked certain players. And my favorite player in the national league was always, uh, Willie Stargell. So that's where my Pirates fandom started. And I liked Dave Parker and Mike Easler and all them guys. I loved him. I don't know something about them left-handed bats. Uh, the lefty swings are just so beautiful. And as a player, I was ambidextrous, so I batted as a switch hitter. And I, But that lefty swing is, you know, is such a beautiful, you know, one of the most beautiful things in sports. And so – then, but I always liked certain players. So in the early 90s, I started rooting for the Atlanta Braves because, one, we had – we only had limited channels here in West Virginia back then before the cable came through or direct TV. So we had TBS, so you watched a lot of Braves games. Well, I'd met Ron Gant, so I liked Ron Gant, so I liked the Braves. And Reggie had already retired, some of the guys that I'd liked before that. And uh, so, they actually, I was rooting for the Braves when they beat the Pirates <laughs> in the postseason, and, uh, which is funny now because I'm such a big Pirates fan. But when I started liking the Pirates again, you know, after the late 70s and early 80s, well, was when, again, we got DirecTV and I had, the, uh, had all the Pirates games regionally. So that's who I got to watch. So I watched all the Pirates games. So the whole time I liked the Pirates, they were terrible. Yeah, I mean, that record losing, you know, 20 seasons without a winning record. So, uh, but I've always uh, stuck with them, even though they were uh, historically bad. And just, so that made the Andrew McCutcheon and A.J. Burnett and, you know, 2013 to 2015, yeah, that made that really special. Uh, but I've stuck with them, even though they've been bad. And just, I seen about three years ago, they were trying to build something and and doing it the right way. Because it's a small market team. And I didn't realize how small of a market Pittsburgh is 
until you really look at their, you know, per capita versus these other cities that have a major league. Hey, Pittsburgh is such a small market. And so I think building through the minors and through international players, uh, signing them is the way to go. And I think they've got a really good farm system now. What, the last three or four years, it's been in the top five. And we're starting to see it pay dividends with these guys coming up. And uh, this year, it's really hit quicker than I thought. And so uh, I've been excited about that, but um, I've liked them when they've really been really bad, and I've been excited about this year. Uh, Of course, these last 13 games, it seems very familiar for all the wrong reasons. So, but uh, that's a little bit about my my Pirates fandom and my background. And um, I, I'm I'm a passionate fan, but I'm a positive fan, which hopefully that'll, you know, it'll be maybe a voice in the darkness, uh, especially when things are going like they have here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, some, some positivity. Even I try to stay positive myself, but the past few weeks, this oh. weekend especially, um, not Sunday – but Friday and Saturday, I have felt as low about the Pirates as I have this season for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I guess we can just get right into it. Uh, the Pirates, thank goodness for Mitch Keller yesterday, Sunday. He he was the stopper again. Um, two wins in 13 games, both Mitch Keller starts, both shutout-type starts, of course, Last week, it was the complete game shutout. On Sunday, it was seven innings of shutout ball. Mitch Keller has just been absolutely dominant lately. And um, I, I, I've been thinking about it as a fan, seeing such a, a string of dominance from a pitcher uh, so far this season. I mean, he has a 238 ERA. Obviously, the last two starts have been awesome. He leads the team in war, all that good stuff. And I've been just trying to think, as far as the Pirates having an ace on their team, an ace of the staff, even in the good years, it was Garrett Cole. But I don't know if I've ever seen a pitcher, a starting pitcher for the Pirates pitch this well for – it's it's been a short amount of time. It hasn't been all season, obviously, and we need to see it for months at a time. But just – the this current peak, I don't know if any other Pirates starter has reached this current peak since, honestly, since I started becoming a fan, and that was in the early 2000s. So I don't know. I don't know what you think. What have you seen from Mitch Keller that is just? Uh, I mean, how how awesome has he been in your mind? Well, he's definitely a nice. Uh, he's one of the top three pitchers in the National League right now, and it's so rewarding to see a guy. When he come up, he had electric stuff, and we all thought he was going to be something special, and it just did not play at the uh, in the majors. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're throwing 98, 99 like he was. He had the same problem Cole had when he first came up, is that his release point, he doesn't have the ball. He didn't have the ball at all, and everything was power, and they just sped up their swings, and they were just able to time him. And so he was walking guys because he was having trouble staying. He didn't have confidence in his other pitches and he was putting guys on base and then they were timing him and they were hitting the ball hard and it shook his confidence. And I thought, Oh man, here's another guy that just isn't going to pan out and have to go somewhere else, which has been the trend. He really put in the hard work. He, he took, you know, went to the bullpen there for a short spell and we started to see the transformation last year around the middle of the year, man, he just started, he, he would have a bad inning cause he, you know, that was been a trend and used to, he wouldn't get over it, but he would just put it behind him, come back out, reestablish himself. And he was one of the better pitchers. I thought at the second half of last year, and he's carried it over when we all seen the, the video of Shelton telling him, that he was going to be the opening day starter. And you could see the emotion and what it meant to him. And a young man at his age that's went through what he's went through, he realizes what work he put in to get to this point. So when you watch him out there on the mound now, he seems more confident. He seems more in control. They was talking uh, Sunday that 
He's got like six pitches. And he feels comfortable throwing them now. Used to, he didn't. So, is he one pitch, he, you know, he's not controlling his curve that particular game, you know, and maybe his ball ain't breaking like it should. He's got all this other stuff he can throw. And you just cannot sit there. These guys, the, the Orioles hitters was coming up and telling Hedges, you know, this guy's on fire. I mean, you know, he's he's impressive. You know, and that's the opposition to talking to your catcher. So, yeah, I think that he is – this is a kind of guy, based on what he is, the example set and the hard work to get to this point, it is a guy that you want to look to extend because that's the guy you want at the top of your rotation. The Pirates have not had that, even with Cole, because we all kind of knew Cole was destined to go somewhere else. He wanted a bigger market, and I liked Cole, but he wasn't fully committed. Uh, like A.J. Burnett was. A.J. Burnett had had everything. He'd won a title. He'd, he'd accomplished whatever. He wanted the smaller market. He wanted to be able to go bass fishing through the week and, you know, and be able to walk around without being harassed. Uh, that's something you can have. So there's certain guys personality-wise that fit in Pittsburgh, in that market. And I do think that Brian Reynolds was one, and he wanted to be in Pittsburgh. And I think Keller does too. And uh, so I'd like to see him work out an extension for him if it they can work it out numbers-wise. Yeah, I agree. And with Keller, he has three more years after this year until he's a free agent. So there is still some time. And yeah. I, I think one of the best things about Keller is that he – He's not going to take this success for granted at all because he has seen what it's like to be at the lowest point as a major league starting pitcher. You, you, you've probably seen the graphic where he was last in everything since 2019. Yeah. And they, I think it's been about a year, a year coming up here in a few days that that graphic was flashed out. And like you said, since then, he's been awesome. So he, he really knows – he obviously knows where he's at now and he knows what he has to do to be successful. And I don't think he's ever going to get worse again because, you know, he obviously he's not going to be as great as he's been so far this year, every start, but he's, he's definitely not going to regress, I guess is what I'm thinking. And an extension. Yeah. yeah, As far as extensions on this team, he has to be next in line uh, timeline wise, priority wise, because yeah, he is—he's the anchor of this rotation, and having a guy that you can throw out there every fifth day that you know you're going to get a solid outing from and have a really good chance to win, even if the offense is scuffling, that's huge. He is extremely valuable to this club, and it is cool you brought up AJ Burnett because it seems like AJ Burnett has been kind of a mentor to Mitch Keller. He was there this weekend to watch him pitch in Baltimore and AJ Burnett. I feel like he's, he's as excited as anyone that Keller has been Mm -hmm. uh, succeeding. So that's awesome to see. It's just really great to see with Keller because yeah, you, you like to see a comeback story. Anyone loves to see a comeback story, but when it comes for someone on the pirates, it's, (laughs) it's a little bit more special. And I, uh, I definitely want to see him get extended. I'm not sure what those numbers would look like. I was kind of doing a little research. Um, Pablo Lopez for the Twins got a four-year extension after this season. He's been in the major leagues one year longer than Mitch Keller. So maybe something for Keller next year. I think the sooner the better, though. Maybe you give him five, six years. Maybe not quite at $100 million, but approaching it and – I mean, if you have Mitch Keller on the pitching side and Brian Reynolds on the position player side as your two extensions, I think that's a really good uh, foundation to to really start building this team. I think that, you know, because after Keller, you got to start thinking about O'Neill Cruz. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, it put you surround these guys with Henry Davis. I mean – I know it's the minors. I know it's double A. The guy's raking. I mean, the guy is just, he always is hit. It don't matter where. And he's just a natural 
strong country boy, strong hitter. Uh, and, and I just think it's going to translate. I mean, I've heard people say Pete Alonzo. Uh, Alonzo is, a, is, to me, is not the – I don't think he has the contact, the back control that Davis has. Davis is strong like Alonzo, uh, but I don't know if he's – you know, Alonzo's going to strike out more than Davis. I really think Davis will – you know, for a guy with his power, I think that he is really a natural line drive hitter. And and but a lot of those line drives are going to find the seats. He's easily a 30, 40 homer guy in a full season. So there is guys coming up, Rodriguez. Uh you know, we don't know what Swaggerty's going to be. We don't know. Um you know, you'd like to see him come up and, and be that quality defensive center fielder. Uh I still like Zawinski and right field better. Um and and Reynolds could settle into left, and he's he's you know, I, I think he was, if he had just a touch more speed, you could use him a little more in center. I mean, because you know he's a great defensive center fielder, but he he needs just a little bit more speed, um, and uh, so that's why you know Swaggerty has that. So you know we just have to see if Swaggerty can ever hit enough to to you know because he's got some speed, he can steal bases. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, uh, and me and you haven't got to talk about it, is the Pirates go from leading baseball in stolen bases to where they're running into the double plays. They're running into outs because they're getting terrible jumps. <laughs> and, and it's a tons of strike them out, throw them out through this losing streak. And, you know, I know you mentioned one day on Twitter, it's like, man, don't be aggressive. You know, uh, it, it, you know, wait till the bat's starting to heat up, and you can't run into outs like that. And it's just, it's some they're just not getting the same jumps. And it's it's went not just one player, two players, it's the whole team. I think I've seen where uh, Cabrian Hayes was like five steals have been thrown out five times. I mean, that's not good. Fifty percent's not a good average. <laughs> but I like aggressiveness on the base pass. But they've had guys thrown out at home trying to score on sack flies. It's just like all the stuff that was going right when they were 28 has flipped. And, is you know, they were playing the Washington Nationals. My wife's like, that other team looks like a little league team because the Pirates were beating them really bad. And then the last week, my wife's like, now the Pirates look like the little league team. So, you know, uh, that that's concerning. I don't know if that's coaching, but it's 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 a bad sign when the whole team goes into the tank at the same time. I feel like with that, part of me does think. Obviously, this team they they went into that race series and they really got punched in the mouth, and they definitely ran into some outs. I think. Uh, I think with the running game, perhaps there was a little bit of a book on the Pirates. Team started to realize what they were trying to do, got a little bit of a scouting report. They kind of knew what – it was sort of an adjustment to what the Pirates had been doing. It was never going to be that easy for a full season. So mm-hmm. the Pirates started seeing some of that. But after the race series, the, the Pirates have just kind of – they've just looked – they've looked dead in all aspects. They look defeated, and they've just lost and lost and lost. And – I think the running into outs um, has to do has to do with with pressing uh, because they're not hitting as well. And when they would get on base, it's they got to get as many bases as possible because they're not really hitting and not driving in the runs uh, organically. But I just think we're at the point now. The Pirates are what twenty two and nineteen off day today. They've had a few off days over the past you know two off days since last week they've had some time to kind of take a deep breath monitor the monitor the season and they're still in good shape um i just think you know they they can't they can't be playing the way they've been playing obviously and have the type of energy they need to to bring it back to where they were but it was just such a high high and such a low low that 
I moving forward, I don't really know what to expect. I don't expect either such a high or such a low. I don't really know what this team is at the moment, but they just need to relax because it is a long season. Mm-hmm. I, I I like the aggressiveness on the bases, but just they've. It seems like during this streak of losing eleven out of thirteen games, uh, they they've just been pressing in all aspects: hitting, running, fielding. They've just mm-hmm. there's been so much pressure, and the the teams in twenty ten or twenty eleven and twenty twelve when they collapsed they they collapsed in August and September because they couldn't handle the pressure. It just seems like maybe in April it was too much too quickly for them to handle, and they just came crashing back down to earth. And they weren't ready to be a, a hundred win team. Obviously, they were never that, but. They're obviously not a lose 11 games out of 13 games either. I just – I don't know what this – what the happy medium is. Maybe slightly below 500. Maybe they're like a 70-win-ish team. But I just think they need to just chill out and uh, get back to just do what they've been doing and see what happens. I think a lot of the – if you look back, there's been a defensive lapse – a huge error in a lot of these games at a key moment plays that wasn't even didn't have to take an above the line play. Like some of the games they were winning in the winning streak, you know, key Brown Hayes made multiple incredible plays to get huge outs, uh, late in games that they could have lost if he didn't make those plays. Well, in these last few games, whether it's Bay, whether it's Castro, not able to make a routine play that opens up a big inning. Uh, Hill comes off the mound with a little dribbler. The inning's over, and he can't make the play. Throws the ball away, leads to a big inning, a home run if I remember that inning. Um, it's just they're, they're just not playing clean enough baseball to overcome the pitch. The starting pitch is still being pretty decent. It's the – they just are not hitting at all. And – and that puts all the pressure on the pitching. And we're used to that because so many years the Pirates have been decent in the first half of seasons because the pitching's carried them. And they've won a lot of close one-run games. And then the hitters will start, and then the pitcher goes down. So it's – but already this year we've seen the Pirates started out. I think Santana, he, he was playing over his head. I mean, he was having a great start to his Pirates career. But we're starting to see a little bit more of what we've seen from him the last five years. And, and he's in a slump right now, but guys go through slumps. But McCutcheon playing out of his mind. And then he had the little ankle sprain, and that had cost him some time. Uh, Connor Joe was just hitting line drives everywhere, and they were finding holes. Well, during this uh, 2-11 streak, He's hitting line drive still, but they're being caught. Reynolds goes from five homers to no homer since then, and he's hit. Uh, I know I can remember three or four balls caught on the warning track or the guys against the wall. So he's just missing. So it's just the problem is that it's happened all at the same time. Well, if you look at last year, I know they had three losing streaks of at least 10 games. That kills them. That killed them. And that's why you you have, you know, the rest of the time they're playing close to 500 baseball. But you can't keep having multiple long losing streaks. So, you know, you kind of give Shelton a pass, you know, in the past that he was trying to piece together these teams and, you know, the talent's coming and you're trying to be patient. Well, now... It's a division that's easily winnable, uh, or at least to be competitive late in the season. Milwaukee's, you know, good. St. Louis is going to be better than the record is right at this moment. But this is a division they can compete in. Uh, So, and they got off to that really good start. You don't want to waste it. So everybody's screaming, bring up Davis, bring up somebody. Uh, That's what makes the injury to to Cruz so devastating. Because they need that. What people don't even think about. Cruz, it actually helps that he don't speak English very well. 
I think because he doesn't feel the pressure from the media constantly badgering him and the fans and everything, and that he takes all that attention because he's incredible. He's a rock star. I mean, just he does things on the field you've never seen a guy with that height, that arm, that power. Um, he's Daryl Strawberry playing shortstop. And and that's incredible. It really is. So that makes that takes pressure off the other guys. So having not having him around on the field hurts, but not having him around off the field hurts too. And so what? It's August the soonest he'll be able to come back. Yeah, hopefully. So um, I was hoping to see more out of Castro, but uh, I just even if Castro's hitting. His defense is not up to standard for a shortstop. Um, you know, he's he. I think he can play better at second. The, I do not see him as a shortstop. They bring up Chris Owens. Well, I mean, that's we knew what to expect there. Um, you know, I don't know who they have in the minor system. Is uh, say Triple A who they might think about bringing up, but. I trust Kester's hitting way more than I do his fielding. And the way he's been hitting lately, he ain't offered him anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's true. I I have been a bit dumbfounded by Castro. He's he's it's it's been like an aggressive benching for him. He hasn't started, I believe it was since uh a week ago at this point. And the offense, yeah, it it's just been so so bad and I know he's been struggling too everyone's been struggling you touched on it it seems like everyone has been going through a slump at the same exact time and I agree I don't think Castro is suitable to play shortstop but I think he's fine at second base and Mm -hmm. if I if I was putting out the everyday lineup I'd I would not I don't want to see the the bottom of this roster, the bottom of this roster is really bad. And you mentioned Cruz going down. That was a as big of a hit as a team can take, I think. Mm-hmm. And also the G-Man Choi injury has been pretty it's been low it's been lower key, obviously, than Cruz, but it's been pretty devastating in itself because you mentioned Carlos Santana. He has to play that much more at first base. He's older. He might need a break. The Pirates really don't have a backup first baseman, Connor Joe can play there a little bit, but losing Choi really hurts too. So with these injuries and looking at the bottom of this, of this roster position player wise, I'm sorry, but Chris Owings, Miguel Andujar and Josh Palacios, I don't see them as major league players at all. And I, I, this team can't afford to have – I've been harping on this for, it seems like, weeks. But this team can't afford to have more than one automatic pitcher-like out in the lineup. And the way I see it, Austin Hedges, automatic out. Chris Owings, automatic out. I know Josh Palacios was tearing it up in AAA. They bring him up. He gets one start, and that's about it. He started in the Sunday game. He hasn't gotten a hit yet. I don't want to say he's an automatic out yet because he's only had a handful of at-bats, but I don't see much from him. Miguel Andohar, he's like 0 for his last 20, automatic out. Mm-hmm. There's just so many automatic outs, and I, I don't understand why Rodolfo Castro is the one that has just been uh, <laughs> relegated to pinch-hitting right-handed only. I know he, he is really great against lefties, but I don't know. If I was running the team – if I was Derek Shelton, I would have two Capito Marcano in there at shortstop every game, every day. He's my everyday shortstop. And I would have Rodolfo Castro getting most of the playing time at second base. And you can mix in Bay, I would say, as the super utility player where he can maybe play shortstop again. Maybe it's second base. Maybe it's an outfield spot. But mm-hmm. I I don't know. This I think I think it all starts with the bats. This team needs hitting more than anything, yeah. and if they hit, they're more relaxed. They can feel better. They can get back to stealing bases. Everything will be better, but with Austin Hedges and one more automatic out, especially two when everyone's slumping, it's just 
this offense over the past two weeks has been it's been painful it's been watching paint dry boring it's been so bad I don't even I don't remember such a terrible stretch from an offense and you mentioned watching the Pirates for 20 years of losing terribleness I don't I don't it's just crazy how once again how high they were how awesome they were and just came crashing down to to absolute nothingness um I don't know but I guess where do you stand right now when it comes to the cry to bring up uh, in Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis because Austin Hedges has been so bad? You know, I I understand having that kind of talent in the minors, and it, the guy's just absolutely raking. I understand the fans are like, oh, we got to bring him up. You got to bring up one of these guys. If Hedges is not a good defensive catcher either, so not only does he not hit, he, he he's I think he calls a good game. I think the pitchers like him, uh, and, and he's blocking the ball and you know doing pretty good there. But he does not throw well at all. People are stealing bases at will, and it's not even close. Um, I'm not worried about you know. They they always want to hold them back because they're thinking about you know long term and how long they're going to have these guys and um, if Davis is ready, especially his avenue from college, if he's ready, he's twenty three I think. Um, I'd say you know, but the problem is you don't want to bring him up too soon, and then you know you have to know the player, you have to know their personality. Are they the type that can he take a slump coming up and it not affect him? You know, say he comes up for a little while and it don't work out and they send him back. How's he going to respond? Some guys can handle that. Some some guys can't. But it just seems when you have your easily your best catcher in the uh, organization sitting there in the minors and and hedges is leaves so much to be desired and we know what delay is. And you can have delay as your backup. You don't want him starting. Um, part of me wants to see Davis come up because if he hits now at 23, you're going to have him, you know, uh, for a good while versus if he comes up at 25 because he went through the school route, you know. So I, I kind of like to see him give it a shot because, as you said, the offense, this is, a, I, I think I've seen 115 year worst offense in Pirates history. Now that is 150 years. That's over a century since they've been this bad. Was it 18 runs in 12 games? Or it was, it was insane. I mean, and if you've watched the pigeon has tried to hold steady, but they start putting more pressure on themselves because two runs feel like five runs. Because they can't even score two runs. When they finally scored four runs the other day, you was like, you showed this Shawshank Redemption, you know. Okay, because that's the truth. It felt like the floodgates had opened. It's four runs. You know, that's nothing. But um, something has to happen. This The Pirates are just not set up that they can go out and get somebody and, and bring them in. They're not set up that way. If you have a guy like Henry Davis in the minors, you have to consider the possibility, especially with Cruz out to August. You need something because the fans were starting to believe, you know, a little bit. They were starting to come back. You were seeing more positive tweets and comments uh, on the, uh, you know, local radio. Well, that's gone. That's absolutely gone. Now everybody's like, why did they extend Shelton? Well, now uh, Reynolds has went back to hitting like he always does at the beginning of the year because he usually struggles and then he gets hot in June and July. Well, he started out the year hot, signs the extension, and now he can't – and his power game's gone. Uh, he was getting doubles, but he ain't hitting any homers. So um, I would kind of the, – the longer this goes and if Davis continues to hit and, and they feel like he has the right personality to be able to handle this situation – because people were going to expect him to be like Cruz when he came up. Everybody was expecting Superman. 
Well, Cruz kind of delivered. And if they think Davis can do the same thing and give that spark, this is the year to do it because this year is a winnable, uh, at least competitive season uh, in this division. Yeah, I, I do. I do think they're still going to wait one more month because you noted the extra year of service time, which I do. I don't think that's the issue. It's the super two issue of not wanting to give an extra year of arbitration and therefore an extra year of actual money being spent out to to these prospects. But I think next month we're going to see we're going to see Andy Rodriguez for sure. And I don't, I don't know what the, the Henry Davis trajectory is because he is in double A right now. And you mentioned, I think that's a really good point. You don't know how that's like what the outside doesn't see. We don't know these players. We don't know how they're going to react when they get called up. If they struggle, what, how do they react? If they're great, how do they react? We just don't know what, what that is like. Um, So that's a good point. I just, I think for now, Jason DeLay needs to be getting maybe not a majority of the playing time, but he needs to be more than just a backup where he's getting one or two starts a week. I think it needs to be more even playing because I do agree. Hedges has a – he him and the pitchers get along, and the pitchers definitely trust him. And, I mean, Mitch Keller's been awesome. I feel like him and Hedges work pretty well together, although – it was, was it? No, it was Hedges yesterday. Uh, but I just, it's weird with catchers too because they have to, they have to pretty much quarterback these pitchers. And the difference between a veteran catcher and a rookie catcher handling a veteran veteran staff or a rookie staff. This is a pretty. It's a pretty mixed staff with the Pirates. They have the veterans and Rich Hill and Vince Velasquez, and Mitch Keller's been around a little while, but they're still young guys like Contreras, like Oviedo, now like Luis Ortiz. So there's a lot of dynamics. It's weird with catchers, though. Hitting-wise, yeah. I mean, he's ready. He's, he's crushing the ball. And this Pirates team desperately needs offense, and I think that that makes the cries for for those – catchers to be called up even louder because whenever you see this team scoring two two runs a game if that if they're lucky you you, you watch these highlights of Henry Davis cranking home runs in double a it's easy to get mad but I'm I'm fine with them waiting a little while longer and I do think I think this offense is going to pick it up again because it's just 115 years is quite the outlier for a 12-game stretch. So they're not going to be this terrible moving forward. But I don't know. There are some prospects that are due to come up. It's Henry Davis. It's Andy Rodriguez. Nick Gonzalez has been pretty solid in AAA as well. So we got to see moving forward what this offense looks like. But – Hopefully some of these hitters start to break out of these slumps because they've just been they've been intensely awful and I don't really know what the answer is. Um I would def I we need to see both of them at this point too. But even when they get called up, I don't know who gets the majority of time at catcher. And it's it's just it's a really weird situation and I'm I'm very interested to see how the Pirates approach this and I, I hope they don't screw it up, but it seems like it's kind of a tight wire act of not only when to call them up, but whenever they do get called up, who gets the majority of playing time where, and um, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. We'll see. I know they've two points. I know they've talked about moving Davis and, and, and he doesn't want to, you know, he, he wants to be a catcher. Yeah. He's been playing some right field. Yeah. And so they need his bat. They they need his bat desperately. Uh, he can play some catcher. He can play some, you know, maybe first down the line, play a little right field. He's got a great arm. Uh, maybe not the best speed, of course, but he has the great arm. Um, I, I think they do need to have him up for that reason. I'm not concerned about worrying about, you know, adding the length 
by holding him down a little longer. Because if you really noticed, Baltimore is set up. That team this year is what the Pirates are trying to be. Those guys came up through their minor league system together. They don't have any real guys. You say, that's a superstar. Now, some of these guys could potentially be superstars down the road. But right now, they play really well together. They don't have any huge holes in their lineup. And they they did it like a small market team has to do. Uh, you even look at Tampa Bay. You know, they're the, the best team in baseball, top to bottom record-wise, and they're playing like it. They've also built a certain way. So I think that hopefully the Pirates really looked at the Baltimore team this past weekend and realized that that is who they're striving to be and uh, not worry so much about when guys will become eligible for arbitration or all that stuff, but get your best players up, have the support system and the coaching staff, you know, available to to not only teach them but help them make that transition and get these guys out there together playing. You know, I talked about liking the Braves in the early 90s because they had all the TBS games. But I remember where they were the worst team in baseball. And then they made that huge, you know, they brought in Terry Pendleton, but they brought all them guys up, Ron Gant, Dave Justice, Steve Avery, you know, those guys from the minors and added them to Glavin and Smoltz. And, and then the next thing you know, they hit. They had that magical season. And uh, the Pirates, they have to start thinking about bringing a winner to Pittsburgh now because you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, you had Neil Cruz injured in a freak accident at home plate. And that those things happen. And it, it's at the point now that trying to plan for the perfect time, there's never going to be a perfect time. And it, start giving some of these guys some major league at-bats and see what you really have. Yeah, that's fair. And it is funny. You look at it. If you just insert one of Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez into this lineup currently, I mm-hmm. I think it really does fill a big hole because you go from having literally the worst hitter in baseball or one of the five worst hitters in baseball to definitely an unknown, but I doubt they would be as bad as Austin Hedges has been, either of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I want to see them up sooner or later. I just don't see it happening until that magic June date because that's just mm-hmm. how the Pirates operate. Um, we'll see though, but I do think the offense is, it's, it has to improve. It just has to, um, like there's no other way to put it, but what if yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> if it does, would, would, would mean, that accelerate, would that accelerate your schedule? <laughs> personally? I mean, I'm, I'm all for bringing up the prospects immediately. Um, I just, I don't see it happening. I, I don't. Um, and it, it does suck because that's just how the Pirates and small market teams, most of them operate. Although you mentioned the Orioles, they brought up their guys pretty quickly. And some teams are more uh, aggressive than others. But with the Pirates, they under Bob Nutting, it, it's a certain schedule. And uh, whether someone likes it or not, personally, I don't love it. I didn't love waiting to see O'Neill Cruz get called up uh, in – I believe July last season. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Let's let's pivot here and take a look at the Pirates upcoming schedule. Um, a short two game series at Detroit and Tuesday, Luis Ortiz will be making his second start and he will be opposing Michael Lorenzen, who, if you remember, was on the Reds, played a little outfield in his time. So far this season, Lorenzen has started five games, 28 innings pitched. He's given up 13 earned runs, three home runs, 19 strikeouts, seven walks. That's the Tuesday game. And on Wednesday, it will be one second. Rich Hill, and he will be opposing 
Eduardo Rodriguez, who this season has been really great. 51 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's only given up nine earned runs. That's a 157 Mm. ERA, and uh, that's a pretty decent sample as well. So maybe he's due for some regression. We'll see. But (laughs) Shannon, what are are your initial thoughts on this, this Tigers team that the Pirates will be playing? The Tigers are actually sneakily not terrible. They're 18 and 21. Mm -hmm. Um, So short two game series in Detroit. Do the Pirates have a chance? Are they going to score some runs? Well, it's funny when they've played the Tigers in Detroit, they've actually hit the ball very well the last few seasons. So I'm I'm hoping that will that'll uh, transfer over. I mean, it's just a huge park, you know, not a lot of homers, but there's a lot of gaps. Uh, there's a lot of space out there, and uh, you know that's what the Pirates are. They're not a big home run hitting team, but they they do find gaps, a lot of doubles, you know, when they're hitting well. Lately, they've been hitting anything, but. Uh, I was shocked. I didn't realize Lorenzen had went to the American League. Of course, I guess it doesn't matter now since the pitchers don't hit anymore because he was one of the better hitting pitchers during his time with the Reds. But uh, the Pirates have hit him well. Uh, You know, I didn't realize he was starting because he's been, you know, he used to be middle relief a lot for the Reds. So uh, hopefully they can uh, take advantage of that matchup. And then, you know, shoot, that that next game is going to be tough. Uh, and, uh, so, but it's just it. Every time you think this is a good matchup, they come out and they don't hit at all. Then, you know, even in the uh, Tampa series, uh, before the bats went totally cold, they had some opportunities. Um, especially that first game where it was the pitchers by committee. Uh, and they just had tons of guys on base, couldn't get them in. That's one of the things that's happened is run, hitting with runners in score position. Is it been a historic bad stretch? And so, like you said, maybe they'll break out. Um, Ortiz needs it. I mean, because his first game, uh, he really struggled. Uh, it kind of got away from him. And being a young pitcher, he kind of lost his composure a little bit. So hopefully he'll have a real back, bounce back performance and uh, we'll take it one game at a time. But uh, you know, look at these teams that they've been playing. They've been playing some of the better teams in baseball uh, with Tampa uh, Tampa Bay and the Orioles, and now they got some other tough matchups coming up. So this is a two-game series that they they need to have some success in. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think they should have a chance to win both. Uh, Rodriguez has been awesome, but the Pirates do, when they hit, hit lefties pretty well. Yeah. So we'll see with that because yeah you mentioned the schedule doesn't get much easier in the 12 games after this Detroit series it's a six game homestand against Arizona who has been pretty solid this year Mm -hmm. and Texas who has been really solid this year Mm -hmm. and then the Pirates have their first West Coast trip of the season which uh, sometimes goes well sometimes doesn't for the Pirates (laughs) they'll be at Seattle who that's another good team and at San Francisco, another pretty decent team. So these next 12 games, even if you want to extend it to 15, they come home again, they play St. Louis. So yeah. I think these next 15 games after the Detroit series will be – it'll be a pretty good indication of where this team is headed, I think. Oh, I agree. If, if, they, if they just can you know, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to call up. Some guys that tell that, you know, June, uh, they're just going to try to tread water until then. But if the guys could just hit, so, you know, some of the guys break out of their slump at the same time. They can't all be slumping at the same time like they are right now. If, if they could get that and Reynolds start finding his power stroke again, because getting those homers, it just that's just automatic runs. It's You know, then you don't have to have a hit with a runner in scoring position. Because, you know, they they were manufacturing runs very well when they were walking, getting on base, stealing bases. They would score runs without a hit in an inning, you know, because they were leading baseball and sacrifice flies. None of that's happening right now. So if you could get an, a, a run or two on a homer uh, and, and that picks up, that would really help. 
and that'll take the pressure off the pitching staff. Because honestly, I think that the pitching staff's better than I expected. And I I really like Holderman and Bednar. If you can get to that eighth inning with a lead, I feel very comfortable. So it's really going to come down, as you said earlier, can this offense start to hit and start to score runs again? Yeah, that's key. And I I agree. I do I like this pitching staff as well. After Mitch Keller, obviously, who is the ace of this staff, I I like Rowan Contreras. Yoan Oviedo seemed to have gotten back on track a little bit against Baltimore. The offense just didn't give him anything. Nothing. But <laughs> I, I like I like what he brings. Um, I know Rich Hill kind of seems to be a polarizing pitcher in Pittsburgh, but he eats innings. Yeah. Um, and he 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 goes on little runs where he he can get through four innings in the blink of an eye, and then yeah. maybe sometimes it falls apart a little bit. But I overall I enjoy Rich Hill. Uh, Vince Velasquez should be coming back soon. Luis Ortiz will be getting the start as we mentioned. Uh, Tuesday, so I, I'm excited to see what he brings. But yeah, the bullpen going into the season, I thought the bullpen would be by far the weakest link of this team because after Bednar and Bednar himself kind of got tired at the end of last season, and mm-hmm. there was a little bit of a question if he could be truly dominant. He has obviously answered the, that question. But you mentioned Holderman; he's solid as an eighth inning guy. But even some of these other some of these other arms, Dari Moretta has been nice. Jose Hernandez mm-hmm. has been nice. Johan Ramirez has been really great since his call up. He's pitched ten innings, only given up two runs. Um, I know Dwayne Underwood Jr. is sort of a he's a polarizing bullpen arm yeah, for the Pirates, yeah. <laughs> but I still I don't think he's for a middle reliever. He's fine. In my opinion, if he's if he's your eighth inning guy, that's a problem. Even if he's your seventh inning guy, that's probably a problem. But overall, I'm fine with him. I I definitely like this pitching staff though, and hopefully they don't go cold next when these bats start to warm yeah. up. Because I mean, they haven't been great during this stretch. I will say the pitching hasn't been great, and that's probably good timing. Uh, but Overall, if they could just hit a little bit, I think I think this pitching staff can be good enough to help them hang around. You don't want guys on base when you bring Underwood in. Yes, exactly. Because he almost always starts at the inning slow, whether it's a walk, gives them a hit. He, he, you know, he puts guys on base and then he gets them out. But yeah, if he yeah. starts the inning with guys on base, that's a recipe for disaster. So, uh, yeah, I agree that – Rich Hill, his value goes beyond just his starting pitching. I know there was a game, uh, Olivero, he he got through the first two innings. He had a rough third inning. I think me and you talked about it on Twitter. He come over and he was really frustrated. And I think it potentially could have got away from him a little bit. And you see Rich Hill come over and sit with him and they were talking. And, all, and he went back out and he gave him another quality start. There's sometimes you need a guy like that who is that much older than everybody else on the pitching staff that they kind of respect because, you know, he always wins eight to 11 games. He's consistent, you know, for however many years in a row. He eats innings, just like you said, and he has earned respect that he's 43 years old out there and he's throwing a lot of stuff in the 70s and getting outs. And like I said, I think he'd have won the last game if he'd have fielded that ball cleanly. That was the beginning of the end. So uh, I I know that a lot of people expected more, but we all knew, anybody was familiar with Hill, what he had to offer at this point. Because, you know, his, he tops out at about 88, 89, and he don't even want to do that unless it's a have to. So uh, he, he's he's learned to actually pitch change speeds, keep guys off balance, moves around the, the strike zone. And he has value because he can really mentor this young pitching staff. And they can do a lot of the things he does, but with a lot better stuff. 
So uh, I, I've not been disappointed with his performance. I just wish he'd have fielded that ball cleanly last game. Yeah, I mean, they probably win that game yep. if he does field that ball cleanly. But he is 43, so <laughs> I guess I guess he gets a little bit of a pass. Yes. Let yes. me ask you this before we wrap up here. So as it currently stands, the Pirates are 22-19, second place in the National League Central. They've seen the highs of a 20-8 stretch. They've seen the lows of losing right now 11 out of 13 games. What do you expect from these 2023 Pittsburgh Pirates here as we record on May 15th for the rest of the season? Where where do you see this team headed? Maybe how long do you think they could stick around? If you want, you could throw a little wins prediction in there. It, it's, uh, it's up to you. It's open-ended. Where do you see the Pirates moving forward? Well, to start the season, I was predicting about 85 wins. Okay. Somewhere somewhere in there. I thought they were going to be over 500, just a little bit. Uh, I thought that they would still be in the wild card discussion uh, early September, which is what I was hoping for. Uh, because we know that you have to learn to walk before you can run. And I was, I was not expecting the O'Neill Cruz injury, of course. Uh, so I thought that they would have his bat in there with Reynolds because uh, I really thought that Reynolds would sign. They'd work out something because Reynolds wanted to be here. I just did not see them trading a guy. It's hard to get a guy like Reynolds of his caliber who wants to play in Pittsburgh. So I, I thought they would be able to work something out. Um, but some of the uh, – Hayes is not hitting – He's any better, even though you don't see it on his average a lot, but he is starting to hit better. He's making better contact, better exit velocity. Uh, so I think that, you know, he could get on a stretch. Uh, McCutcheon's played over his head, but the way they're using him and a lot of DH, you shouldn't wear him down. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on if the pitch stays healthy, which hopefully it will. You know, they've already had a little bit of issue with Vasquez, but um, if they can get a little more hitting, which might be June, as we said, uh, that 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 would depend if they can make it to that 85 mark. So you'll probably have to ask me again later, uh, and, and, you know, maybe middle of June and see where they are and, and who, who they call up. And uh, if the bats do come around, uh, you know, again, I think Swinski has so much potential. I'm really proud of him because a lot of people don't talk about it. I think Bob Walk, uh, or it might have been um, Walker talking about it on a recent podcast, uh, 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 telecast, that he's putting in much better at bats against left-handed pitching this year. Last year, he, I mean, they throw him a sweeper. And he would go fishing. He couldn't have hit it with the daggone snow shovel. It, you know, this year, he's walking. He might not get hits against these lefties, but if they try to do that technique and, and make him chase out of the strike zone, he's walking. So you're seeing the growth, and he, he has that potential because the guy's got incredible raw power. So if he can be functional against left-handed yeah, pitching, we know what he can do when he gets on a, a good consistent role, uh, he needs help. A lot of these guys, cause they're all, you know, not hitting at the same time. It's putting undue pressure. And you could tell like Connor Joe earlier in the year, if it wasn't a line drive, he did not swing out anything out of the zone. Well, the other day there against Baltimore, he swung at one up at his eyeballs and so did Reynolds. Uh, high heat from, I think it was, uh, uh, is it Batista? Yeah. The, the Orioles' big reliever. I mean, yeah. he's throwing 98, 99 at the top of the, over the top of the zone, six inches, and they're swinging at it. So to me, that shows that these are guys wanting to make something happen. They're just anxious, they're over eager, and mm-hmm. they're pressing. 
So if you could get some other guys in the lineup to start hitting, I think everything will improve. Yeah, I agree. And I am a huge Jack Sawinski believer. Yeah. Um, I even remember in spring training there there were some calls to maybe give Cannon Smith and Jigba and Travis Swaggerty a spot on the team instead of Jack Sawinski. And at the time, I just thought it was crazy because mm-hmm. – 19 home runs as a rookie is is nothing to scoff at. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think this season he's still going to strike out a ton. Uh, he's still going to swing and miss at a lot. But you mentioned it, the plate discipline. He's mm-hmm. walking at a 16.7% clip this season. His average isn't great at the moment, 235. But his on-base percentage is 365. Yep. So that just yep. goes to show how great the – uh, I has been for him. So I'm, I'm very, he's been slumping terribly lately as well, but I'm still, I'm not selling any of my Jack Swinsky stock, but you <laughs> mentioned it. These, these players that they've just all been slumping at the same time. We've, we've been, we've been kind of harping on it a little bit, but it's going to turn around because like mathematically it has to turn around. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible for a team to score 18 runs in 12 games. <laughs> Obviously not impossible, but that's a once in a 115 year type thing. The last time that happened was the dead ball era. Yeah. So it just I, things are going to get better offensively because they absolutely have to. And I I don't know, it's interesting because I admit I got a little I got a little too high during the 20 and 8 start. I was ready oh, yeah to buy my World Series tickets. I was ready to, you know, (laughs) just get to that parade. Yeah. I really was. And on the other hand, during this 11 and 11, uh, 2 and 11 stretch, I've been ready to just disown the Pirates and (laughs) quit watching games. And I've said some crazy things. (laughs) I was calling for Derek Shelton's job like 72 hours ago. So I think at this point, everybody just needs to take a deep breath. And it's, it's honestly tomorrow is basically in my mind, perspective wise, it's, it's opening day again, because we don't really know what this team truly is yet. We don't know if they're any good or terrible. Um, So they just need to, they just need to turn it around offensively. That's step one. And hopefully this Sunday game against the Orioles where they were able to scratch mm-hmm. by four runs, hopefully that's the start because I do think if they score four runs a game, they're going to win a lot of these games because I do I do mm-hmm. believe in the pitching staff. So, all right, Shannon, before we sign off here, I always like to give the other host a chance to plug whatever they want, maybe throw out their Twitter so – if there's anything you want to throw out to the listener, by all means. Well, I just want to say what a pleasure it is, how I'm, how much I'm looking forward to doing these podcasts with you and talking a little Buckos baseball. For uh, sure. You know, I, one thing we, I wish we could do is somehow get a message to Brian Reynolds and tell him that he doesn't have to start every at-bat 0-2. <laughs> um, because... The biggest problem with his power game is he's he's a defensive swinger when he gets behind no and two, you know a lot of doubles and he still gets you know hits, uh, but he seems like he's in every event he starts out zero and two, so whether it's taking him or whether it's falling off one and taking one, but so he he needs to realize he doesn't have to do that, but uh, no, I, like I said, I am looking forward to it and. Uh, as time goes by, I'll give out more information and, and, uh, sure. so, so get to know and, and communicate with our audience even more. Yeah. And that is one thing I do want to mention about this offense that has kind of been driving me crazy is that, and I wrote, I wrote about this a little bit, um, at Bucks dugout, this team, I, I think there's a philosophy from Andy Haynes to really be disciplined with the pitches they swing at. They really do like to get on base, draw a lot of walks, which in theory I do like. I like that a lot. I like walks. I like getting on base. But there's a point, too, where sometimes these hitters are up 1-0, 2-0, 
Mm-hmm. Pitcher lays in a fastball right down the plate. They're watching it. And I just I want to rip my hair out every time <laughs> I see that. So I want this team to just be a tad more aggressive hitting-wise. And, yeah, Brian Reynolds as well. Just look for juicy pitches to hit, please. But, that's yeah, that's my last thing. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Follow Talk the Plank on Twitter at Talk the Plank Pod. We'll be back later this week. Shannon will have you back very soon. Obviously, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, hopefully the Pirates here this week can string some runs together and get back on their winning ways. So, all right, everybody, have a great rest of your day and peace out. <laughs> <laughs>